in this week's episode of Show Notes. God, next we're going to give women the right to vote. <laughs> God, we gave you a blood spittoon. Was that not enough? Christ, Christine! <laughs> You're going to be here a minute, so I'm not going to take up the cast's time. You're so respectful in that way. So good. <laughs> not to the director. <laughs> The fact that nobody gave it any credence and they just kind of acted like it was business as normal, I think it kind of leads to its strength a little bit. Literally. Will you please tell Monty his hair looks sexy pushback? (laughs) We've got magic to do just for you. We did not record anything when I came to visit you this time. I'm, How funny. I know. Well, I mean, I was too busy spending time with you. Isn't that weird? <laughs> I know. How random that we didn't focus solely on the podcast. Well, um, we granted, we did record an episode of Mary Tyler and More, which sure is another did. Wandering Unicorns production. We sure did. Podcast. Lexicon. Sphere lexicon. Yes. Uh, Rolodex. Catch them all Pokemon decks. <laughs> Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. Yeah. <laughs> so real. if you want to check out a uh, probably dropped already red, white, and royal blue Aww. coverage on Mary Tyler and more, uh, you can catch myself on there with some other fun guests. Yay! So Follow us. We at, should totally do that at Wandering Unicorn Productions on Instagram. You can also email us at Wandering Unicorn Productions at gmail.com if you have other things that you want to see on that show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to unabashedly cross-promote and plug right away. <laughs> unabashedly? So feels, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could have forced it upon you like our Regina Sabella might might have. Literally. Phoebe, <sighs> will you please tell Monty his hair looks sexy pushed back? <laughs> Monty, your hair looks sexy pushed back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. You can't. You know what, Stephen? You can sit with us because, I mean, you're wearing pink. It's not Wednesday, I but I mean, it's close enough, right? It's Wednesday. It will probably Eve. be Wednesday your time by the time we get done recording <laughs> oh this. So God. let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I'm willing to stay up with you as long as it takes to be able to get oh. good coverage of a show. Well, you know, I will do whatever it takes as long as it takes. So I think we better start this thing from, from the, the top. top. From the top. A five, six, seven. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You guys. Wait for me. I'm Michael in the bathroom by himself. So it's your fault. Yeah. Well, nobody's perfect. Hey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of From the Top, your favorite musical theater cast and review. My name is Mary. And I'm standing here with Steven in my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Your pocket size now? I've always wanted Mm -hmm. a pocket size, Steven. Fun size. Oh my God. You're like the candy bars at Halloween. You're fun size for my convenience. I'm not though. I'm actually the average male height. So (laughs) it is what it is. Folks, we are back in the booth this evening, finishing our coverage of A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. It's so funny. My Spotify will always like get um, the algorithm will kind of know when I'm, you know, like trending with a show because like I'll just turn on the Spotify. Like when I plug it into my car, it literally turned on today without any prompting. You're a nice squiff. And I was like, excuse me? What? Like I did not do that. I find myself singing this show probably more than any other show. Seriously, that we have Stephen. Covered. Stephen. 
like oh and God. it's all over it's all over the board really though? it's not just one song it's no. like every single song that is an earworm i mean has seriously its way into my brain oh my it's god it really is but it's a beautiful problem because like you know but then it becomes more of a problem when i start singing it and people are like they give me that headcock like a dog listening to a whistle <laughs> right <laughs> they're it, like it's like this show is just unknown enough because not enough people it's not a, uh, in people's like regular rotation of things to where they're like what yep. are you what is this <laughs> yeah so i don't know uh, we're here to change that yes that is our mission is to change <laughs> that well i guess if we're gonna change that we have to change a few things which means we might have a few notes from a director if it isn't asking too much will you please show me a little all right now once again give it some. All right, so I'm going to be the actor that, like, just takes the notebook and has my pencil, and I'm not going to make any commentary. I'm just going to take Ooh. notes. Ooh. because are you? Really? We know that's not you. Oh, okay. <laughs> but actually, are you that actor that will talk back a little bit just to be like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I was actually just trying a little bit of something, but I see, yeah, I was totally wrong. I totally, I get it. I get it while you're giving me the note. It's totally fine. We're moving <laughs> on. Thank you for the note, though. Like, I'm are you so, that one? No, I'm or afraid of the director. Like, I don't understand. Like, I thought I did it right. Like, what are you talking about? I'm a little bit defensive. Ooh, I'm a little bit defensive, Ooh. but I'm also more like a, I will, ju I will agree and go, yep, okay, yep, sounds great, and I'll write the note down, even if I've already had it written down and thought I was doing it. Clearly, I wasn't doing it well enough that the director took note of it so like Fair. i've I, I, when i was a freshman in college like i used to talk back to the director and go no like i was doing this and then i got put in my place really hard one time and then i never did it again i just went okay yeah. yep sure i'm just gonna take the note <laughs> one of my favorite directors i always worked with always said if i can't mimic you in what you're doing you're probably not doing it hard enough yes <laughs> Like, what is it? What did they say? Mimicry is the highest form of flattery Correct. in theater, right? Yep. yep. You know, like if someone wants to mimic you, you're probably doing it right. Yeah. So, there we go. That's a true note from a director. Da 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 da. <laughs> Like, oh, would no, you like I'm me not to... adding another sound cue into this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like my soundboard already. My soundboard has one more section, like one more open spot Ooh, for another. I guess sound. it could be nib, nib, directing niblets from Stephen. There we go. <laughs> directing niblets from Stephen. Yeah. Well. Okay. Uh, well, funny that that's your style, though. Of uh, what's you, you what's your style? Note. Oh, my style. Yeah. Mine, I'm super quiet and I just go, mm hmm. Okay. Uh, and if I have a question, I'll be like, okay, cool. We'll just talk after. Like, I'm that guy who's just like, just get the note sesh over. Yeah. And I'm going to be that guy who's going to take up 20 minutes of your time after because I need <laughs> clarification. I need to be like, nope, you're going to give me exactly what you want. Spoon feed oh. it to me if you need because I'm going to give you what you want and I will do that until closing night. Just let me know what you need. You're the clarification <laughs> actor. I love I'm that. I'm the clarification actor. And I'm so like, good. nope, this is more than like a two sentence yeah. thing. Yeah. So you're going to be here a minute. So I'm not going to take up the cast's time. <laughs> you're so respectful in that way so good. <laughs> not to the director <laughs> <laughs> all right speaking of what does the director have for us this week 
Yeah, well, uh, this probably falls along the lines of your style of note-taking. We thought we were doing it right. No! We just weren't doing it enough. So I just want to throw out a few good clarifications, really drive home some of the things that may have been over-missed? Over, over missed? Over-missed. Over. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah. So uh, maybe throw in a couple things otherwise. So first one, uh, I said uh, Monty at some point was trying to make his cousin's pass away uh that's not it's not just cousins they're more like half siblings because of his estranged father mother situation Mm -hmm. or like uncles aunts that sort of thing so they're not just cousins uncle in law aunt in law sure yeah so that was my fault um actually and this one's this one's one of our first ones in uh editing i did let an f-bomb slip so (gasps) i did i did but it falls under our two and a rule yeah. So yeah. we'll let her we'll let her ride and we'll see what happens. Uh but I do apologize if your sensibilities were rocked harder than a dice with in Montague's weight. The <laughs> inheritance. So I don't know. Should we start doing a disclaimer that's like listener discretion is advised? Like I don't know. You as know? actors though, who can't among us can't say that when we're sitting in a note session getting something, we don't say the word under our breath like we oh, all, all the do time it. all the time yeah. so it's like why are we i mean i i understand the whole pg-13 thing that we want to like you know be adherent to that it's just like we're in a kitchen you literally can't work in a kitchen without saying the word at least once per your shift oh yeah i just wanted to be like apologies if you somehow were offended or it was a problem for you but you know we we do try to censor ourselves enough but things do slip and you know overall uh there are a few younger peoples out there that do listen to our show and so i do want to you know always make sure you know when mommy and daddy might be in the periphery (laughs) listening along i mean who knows so i'm the fun uh, I'm the fun drunk you, aunt that you're just. You're the fun aunt. I am the fun aunt that shows cool up. Mom. I'm literally Debbie Reynolds. I show up with a bag of candy and Halloween costumes and fuckery. That is what I come with, okay? So if I'm going to come with this, you got to know ahead of time that that's what's happening. It's so happening. the swear words just come out of my little Mary Poppins bag like candy. <laughs> I have so much editing already. So, I know. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Um, next note would probably be just make, just making sure I'm double checking. I was having a mental crisis going from this book and this film into this musical. So I want to just make absolutely sure it was clear that the mother, uh, in this film and book Das Coin was das the coin, yeah. Yes. Mother was Das Coin. And then in this musical Dicequith version, it was the father that was the heir, but he married the mother that got him disinherited. Sure. So, but the mother's passing was still the catalyst because that was the, you know, la, la, la. No, it was la, part la. of the history. La, 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 la. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that was superbly clear because it's v- just like, the wording in this show, it can get crazy. So it can get a little muddy. Uh, I also wanted to clear up Horniman was the author of the book. Israel Rank is the character in the book, Autobiography of a Criminal. You said Horniman, I can't help it. Ooh, side plot. Side plot. So I was reading up on Horniman. He loved the sluts. 
Oh my god, side slut. Okay, Tommy. <laughs> so, uh, reading up on horny men, there's just no fun, easy way. Well, it's a lot of fun to say it, but there's no you great way. You can't laugh. Yeah. I was dead right on this whole, he would have been considered like part of this mixed family situation and people would have looked down on him for this. So that's absolutely why he wrote it into his book sure. um, of having this mixed parent situation and being sort of chastised for it all over his life. However, the plot thickens. He had a brother named BG Horniman. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> And they both led a somewhat similar life in their South Sea, South Port Island, out of England uh, lifestyle. And neither brother married. And it is now being looked at that they were potentially gay. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. He might have had some repressed feelings and, and then he was part of the theater, owned the theater, and then started writing about like love and like what is love really and being in all these love triangles. And however, there oh, are damn. 27 cartons of his papers that sit in archives of the University of Reading that are just sitting waiting to be like unearthed and read through. Oh, so I remember someone being like, yeah, they're just waiting for some graduate student to write a thesis. So if you happen to be near the University of Reading, 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 then uh, please go look up these 27 cartons and unearth the, Good the night. reality if yes. our Mr. Roy Horniman was, in fact, a gay man writing about <laughs> unrequited love. I just Sorry. thought that was interesting, maybe to throw in there. Uh, and then, so the last little thing was just overall note for the episode. The cast album doesn't read in the episode like I thought it would. Oh. Um, like it does with some other episodes that we have, at least to my taste. And so I found myself when I was editing, even trying, I was inserting longer clips of songs to try sure. to get like the feeling of the song sure. or trying to like show a larger portion to show like how it, moves you through the story or whatever and i only got about like two-thirds of the songs in the episode because otherwise the sh <laughs> the episode would have just been the cast album so i mean uh, it's fine yeah so but i i just wanted to reiterate uh that it was hard so just go listen to the cast album and it honestly reads a whole hell of a lot better than it does in the show. So please give it a listen because it's really, really good. Because like we said, it's been the earworm in our ears. So I thought it was maybe something worth mentioning. You know me. We've already just, we've literally just established the fact that, you know, I'm the actor that will still sit and, and take a note. And, but we all know the sound that is going through my brain as the actor taking this note. We all know what that sound is, right? I think I might hear it. You're he who an actor's nightmare. <laughs> You're he who <laughs> <laughs> high on the uh, top was a lonely goat. Ricola. <laughs> I would go. sound of music and you would Ricola. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So I wanted to start off. We talked all around this musical and all about the die squiffs. Uh -huh. But we didn't talk about the man who played the die squiff dynasty. Uh, all that much. Like uh, one man playing how many? Nine characters in uh -huh. a show? Yeah, something like, like this that. This is 39 steps in a musical. Like, let's go. <laughs> 
like G the quick changes alone <laughs> backstage that this poor man had to suffer and we just like rolled over it talking about polygamy so i mean come on if you don't get the 39 steps reference that's funny as shit go watch that and then come back and listen to this you'll have an appreciation like, stop listening now stop go right now and go go and then come back to me yeah sometimes i just go into straight play references i don't I always know. have to be in the musical realm. it's so yeah. good i love it yeah it does take a lot for one human to be able to cover like it it truly made me think of um like the nutty professor right that's a that's a common that's a, a modern a oh, quote yeah. modern reference like something that somebody would know but at least like with with something like the nutty professor you have the i guess kind of the the handicap of film being able to film one character and then layer and continue layering one upon another this is you have x amount of seconds between one quick change to the next character and then you got to go back on and embody a completely different person touching back on the you know the quick change um you know comments that we had made in the last episode or the episode before you know how fast is your fastest quick change like i've now that we've talked about it i've seen nothing but instagram stories of like people on Broadway who are doing these quick changes. And I mean, the the level of almost artistry that has to happen backstage between your dressers and the actor who comes off is just like, it is a dance and it still boggles my it's mind. It's amazing. And actually, because we even talked about like, what's our fastest quick change, like mm -hmm. in our show notes for Diana, mm -hmm. the... I forgot to mention just in this whole moment, I had nothing to do with this. I had nothing <laughs> to do with my quick change. My job was to step into new shoes. Yep. And so, but someone else tied them. Yeah. Like I had five people on me, like putting things on. God. Like, they were like, step, step. And I was like, and suddenly I was magically in something else. And suddenly and so you were a new person. It's the magic of theater. But yeah. yeah. And th that had to be this guy's. And I wanted to give him a shout out. Jefferson Mays, because we talked about Bryce Pinkham, but I wanted to shout him out. Jefferson Mays. And the fun fact about him, he was actually a part of this show all eight years that this show was in progress from birth of its wholeness to closing night on broadway no way and that's almost unheard of like that's amazing that's so cool yeah um i did also just want to say this this got my my brain spinning like it do and i went what's the longest anyone's ever been in a role on broadway and i'm going to give you one guess <laughs> and i bet you you'll be right um, it has to do with something with the Phantom of the Opera, doesn't it? Sure does. Yep. George Lee Andrews, who appeared in 9,382 performances of the Phantom of the Opera as the Phantom. Oh, my brain can't fathom that many shows. Can you even fathom singing the same song? Nine thousand times, but then multiple songs. No, crazy. I mean, my brain can't even do you know because of course I'm going back to a Beetlejuice reference because of course I am. Um, you know, in the beginning, the whole being dead thing where he says a nice thing like this eight shows a week, and they were on Broadway for you know two years singing eight shows a week, thinking about I think I've when I say I've sung a song ten thousand times, like that is an 
absolute unabashed exaggeration. I cannot. So he's saying it about 1,000 times, like round and down. Thank God for you and a calculator because I don't know how to do math. But the, okay. the fact that like you have a human who has sang the same group of songs almost 10,000 times. That's always been like a dream of mine to say that I could say that I've sung something 10,000 times, but I don't, I, I don't think my brain can actually fathom that. I Fant- mean, it can't phantom that. <laughs> That's not funny. That's not funny. Don't laugh. No, it was a little funny. No, it's not, but thank you. I think it's, I think it's everyone's dream to say that they got to do that yeah. and loved every minute of it, you know? Oh, totally. So I wanted to give it a shout out. Jefferson Mays, like, absolute icon just for being able to play the amount of energy that it takes because it's something to be said about you know monty with bryce pinkham the wording yeah. alone that he totally. had to memorize is astounding Ugh. but there's also something to be said about the energy need to be needing to be kept up and the ability to differentiate these characters and animate them in such a way every night and as a character actor <sighs> i appreciate that in my bones so. oh yes yes Ugh. So I absolutely just wanted to shout that out. So uh, then uh, this was just sort of a fun little thing that I caught as we were talking about it and then listening to the soundtrack again because it's now just part of my life. That's what Uh, you do. I I forgot to mention a lyric about Phoebe that Monty has about her being perfect and pious, which is actually a carryover from her pious musings with Henry in the book and film and why it was an issue to have uh, taken the picture of Henry walking out of that bar because she's such a pious girl like she's kind of that um, I forget the main character in Guys and Dolls now and that makes me a bad theater person but um, she like she's just as like staunch about being of the rules and of God so yeah it uh um, I, I just found it funny that they carried that lyric over when it has nothing to do with her current character, but sure. it was a slight nod to source. So I don't think that makes you a bad theater kid. I just think it makes you a theater kid that's focusing on something else. I, you know, I have... <laughs> I thought about this the other day. I always have three musicals in my head at any given point of time lately because yeah. it's whatever we're working on now. But then I'm thinking ahead and then I'm probably editing something from the one prior. So it's always just like three musicals in my head at all time. So really you had the Book of Mormon and Diana and then... Uh, Gentleman's Guide. Gentleman- oh, but then we guested on... On but a uh, life's John's, but a song pod, yeah. yeah. So then you had Harry Potter in there too. Yeah, that good. Was a lot. That was a cacophony of chaos. Yeah, it's fun. Welcome. That's a spooky Mormon hell dream. <laughs> <gasps> yeah, but really though, or is it a snap click? I'm not sure. <laughs> snap click, snap click. Oh god, such a bop. It's a terrible song. It's a song that's about something terrible, but it's a really yeah, good one. There we go. Yeah. Good clarification. Yes, Thank you. Yes. Um, so this is the first sort of ethereal question, and I, I actually ah. really, really want your take on this. Oh, boy. Is this sh- show a non-musical theater person's nightmare? Let's chat about it. Okay. I think the music is so traditional and sort of opera that it's every cliche of what musical theater is. Kind of fourth wall breaks. 
And then it has this like secondary abstract theater curtain that you have to deal with. That's, right. That any non-theater person would be like, well, the curtain already went up. Why is the curtain going down? I don't know. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then it's like fourth wall breaking because you have this narrator that is the main character. So you're already like broken up. It's not Stanislavski in any way. You're not creating a world. You're kind of like mammoting the shit out of this. <laughs> like, no one audience is here. Let's perform for them. So what is your take? I mean, I don't know. I would say that the average theater goer now is kind of uh, I think by nature even if they don't seek out these types of shows they are exposed to them in things like um other media so like um you know I think it's it's one of those things where they're gonna know about it regardless of whether or not they've ever saw or excuse me ever seen a show that has these, I guess you can call them tropes, I guess, mu like musical theater tropes, because it's very, very classical in that way. Um, so I think that it will appeal more to the diehard musical theater person because we can feel the bump bump at the end of every song. We appreciate the curtain coming down. Like we know what those things mean. But I think a non-musical theater person isn't going to be totally deterred by them. I think they're just going to be like, that's weird. And then we're going to move on because we've all taken that person to a theater, to the theater who has never seen a show before. And you're just like, oh, you're going to love this. And they kind of sit there just wide eyed going, I don't know what I'm looking at. Yeah, right. So, I mean, I, I don't think it would deter them totally, but I think it would, it, it might be a little strange. I don't know. Cause I keep trying to like one of my favorite songs, like I say, uh, I've decided to marry you is like a three person opera opera mm -hmm. on stage. And like, is that just too much mm. For when you compare it to like the hairsprays and the wickeds and the, the Jersey boys, like, is this just not it? I mean, I, th I think that it's, it's apples to oranges because we we know that. But yeah. To, but when you say musical theater, you're just going to get lumped into like one big stew pot. So, I mean, truly, because I, you know, with something like Jersey Boys, Hairspray, you know, all that kind of thing, you're watching it for its flashy nature. And I think with this, it doesn't have the flashiness of something like those things. I mean, I don't know. I think you're going to you're gonna get more of a, I don't understand why this is happening. There's going to be a little more hesitancy in that, I think. Sure. But yeah. I mean. I, I, no, I get what you're, I get what you're saying. I, mean, I, yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was an interesting thing because I thought, like my dad is a great like litmus test for what he would want to go see in musical theater. <laughs> That's and I tried amazing. picturing him like sitting through this and I was like, what would he be saying? He's like, Oh, this long hair music. And when he says long hair, he means like Beethoven, not like long, 60s, hair? like long hair bands. Yeah. He calls it long hair music. <laughs> like those long wig hair, Beethoven loving things. Yeah. So a powdered wig musical. Okay. Absolutely. Neat. Powdered wig musical. I think that needs to be a new genre. Thank One. you, dad. Thank you, dad. So good. <laughs> Love that. Just the wordiness too. It like having to pay attention and oh, like yeah. do all that. Like I just, there's so many other things involved with this musical that made me want to ask you that specifically, but I don't know. It's kind of like when you go out to eat, you have to choose, do I want to go get some tacos or do I want some nice stir fry? Like you have to figure out what you want to go watch that night. And maybe this was the flavor of the night. I can't do both things, tacos and stir fry. That sounds delicious. Mm. Now you have me thinking and that's just scary. Oh, so we that's need to just swiftly scary. move on from that. 
<laughs> well, speaking of uh, maybe something that was scary in 1907. <gasps> so Phoebe asked Montague to marry him. That's so unheard of. Yeah. Is this amazing? It's just accepted in this musical and it's not batted an eye at because yeah. she she pretty much says, I think I might die if you don't say yes right away. Mm -hmm. So it almost takes the stakes away because she's like, no, you have to marry me. Otherwise, I'm going to kill myself. And you're like, oh, OK. <laughs> you're like, mm, neat. Yeah. So but I wanted to look at it and examine it and be like, wait, was she allowed to do this? Was this was this real? <laughs> Like, are we not worried about the optics or rules of courtship here? Is this not? I mean, I feel like since we're, you know, like we've talked about in several of these, when we're in the land of farce, we we give a lot of things a pass for it's it doesn't follow the rules of realism, right? So we we yeah. know going into it that this is kind of like a fantastical world where things can be different. You mean a musical <clears throat> can bend the rules of reality? What? I, I yeah. know. I there are many a musical that has bent the all you know rules of reality. I find it very interesting that a Phoebe is the one to propose marriage to Monty because Monty seems like the type of character that won't commit to something like that pretty readily. Like I know he wanted to be with Sabella, but like right. he, he never proposed marriage to her because of course, like he was of a different status. Well, and he was about to, he was about and, to, but then he didn't. Yeah. And I think that may be why, again, I think that was also Sorry to derail the whole thought, but I think that was part of his like catalyst yeah. too, to like going on this journey to be like, no, fine. You don't think I can be this man? Yeah. I can be this man, Sabella. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. You know? I don't know. And that's why, I mean, I, that's kind of why I feel like it was, it was a sub subplot of the whole thing. Like it, but the, the fact that nobody gave it any credence and they just kind of acted like it was business as normal. I think it kind of leads to its strength a little bit because it is absolutely outside the norm of what would happen in 1907. And it is right. not something that any woman, you know, um, would ever be caught dead, you know, trying to propose to a man because that's not the woman's place. But knowing that this is a particular show where Monty has never been in charge of anything and he's kind of been along for the ride with a lot of things, it kind of stands to reason that like when it comes to a marriage proposal, he would always get right to the precipice of it and never fully commit. And then it takes a woman going, I not even will you marry me, but she goes, I've decided to marry you. And even then he's still not in the driver's seat. He is absolutely a passenger in this transaction but uh, but like well, you much said like most of the murders he committed like absolutely he was kind of the passenger along for the ride yes yeah. absolutely so i think it totally stands to reason it fits totally within the the realm of the show Hmm. Yeah, and it got me thinking, so I did, like, the quick Google search, like, what was, like, proper etiquette for 1900s? Like, ask, da, 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 da. And so there was actually a tiny little uprising of women asking men to marry uh, in this decade, and especially in leap years, apparently. Uh, May Day, uh, you know, especially was, like, the day in a leap year that you could ask a man to marry you, but the practice didn't what? take off. Okay. Yeah. Traditionalists started tearing it down because, you know, that would just be too much for society. What will women do next? You know, read F me, you know, <laughs> God, next we're going to give women the right to vote. <laughs> 
<laughs> we gave you a blood spittoon. Was that not enough? Christ, Christine! <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, I listened to that segment and laughed out loud in my office so loud that my boss who was like four cubicles down from my desk had to come over to me and he goes hi what's so funny over here i'm like "Mm, mm, nothing christ christine it's oh god anyway shit move on swiftly from that before i lose (laughs) Uh, but you never I mean what was it you said that you could never truly be a performer unless you're going to bleed from your vocal cords for a part oh god all of us have swallowed glass for that one part that we're just like nah I got this we can do I have performed so sick I'm oh, so not ready babe. to like do anything. Yeah. Oh God, I bet. Oh no, it's but, not a good look you know, for you. What do you do? And you know what? I I wish I hadn't. <laughs> I wish I hadn't. I wish I hadn't. So you know, oh. another another director's niblet from Stephen. Da 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 da. I'm not making another. Yes, soundtrack. you are. Do it. Oh, no. Do I it. I hate me so much, but you know I'm going to do it. Either it's that fun. or it's going to be the Marilyn sigh. You're going to make one of... <laughs> no, that's side slut. Oh, uh, <laughs> now you need two sounds. You need Stephen's Nibblets and... But you only got one button. I'll make another one. Stephen's Nibblets and a side slut. Stephen's Nibblets and a side slut. You know what? We need to move on. So uh, <laughs> okay. we get to go into your favorite... <gasps> portion let's find some gentlemen in a quick cast who do you hope who do you hope who does that sound who, who do you who do you hope who do you hope um i my god i wanted to make every single role cheyenne jackson but i knew i couldn't do that so uh, um <laughs> i know oh don't i know you could do that oh yeah you could do it okay he could do it. He could do it. I mean, you are the directorial team, so. Oh my god! Just it's... just put just put Cheyenne Jackson and Aaron Tveit on stage, and <gasps> I'll just watch that. I just, just like they just can they they can just sit there. They will literally do nothing other than nothing. sit and drink do, water. They could scroll on their phone for two and a half hours, <laughs> and I'd be like sweating. You would sell $150 a ticket to that shit. Do you know that? $350 a ticket. Oh. So we have an idea, Cheyenne and Aaron. Um, so somebody's people contact us people um, from the top underscore podcast on Instagram or podcast from the top at gmail.com. Who else would, if, if you too would give a like and follow. Seriously, like rate. and follow, smash that subscribe button, rate us wherever you're listening to your podcast. So my my love, my my Steven, remembering uh, in this fabulous thought exercise, you are my directorial team, which means you have a pin, a veto, a swap, and an executive prerogative, which means at will you are able to do whatever it is that you want because you're kind of running this show. Um, so knowing that, um, again, going back to mtishows.com, this particular cast has like five standard roles and then everything else is the ensemble who play multiple different parts. I didn't necessarily want to 
cast every single person, right? So I did kind of go with your five mains. We're going to begin with our title character, Monty Navarro. Like we do for a lot of these, I have two headshots that I am sliding across your desk, each one for consideration of the role. <laughs> Pulling a little callback from Harry Potter, the musical. I'm giving you Darren Chris. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Up okay. against, again, a Beetlejuice actor whom I love dearly, Eric Anthony Johnson. I feel oh. like either oh. of these humans would slaughter oh. this role. He's like ensemble Broadway royalty. I, I notice him in every ensemble he's Isn't ever he in. Wonderful? He's a smoke show. He is a literal, and he's touring with Beetlejuice right now. <laughs> it's oh. so good. Does he, so we need like a tenor. Yes. Uh, a tenor with amazing vocal prowess. Do we know his vocal range? I believe Eric is a tenor. So him and Sean McManus, I believe, are the same. I believe they're both tenors. And I don't yeah, think yeah. Monty goes any lower than a tenor, does he? No, he never really goes low. And okay. he really, he just needs to go a little higher. Right. And so, and yeah, I'm trying to put it up against like this Darren Chris thing. Because we know Darren Chris has been in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. He's yeah. done, I believe he was in How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a stint in, I, I don't know. So, hmm, this is tough. Uh, I'm pinning for a second. I want to know who else I'm working with. Fantastic. I want to see what our Sabellas and Phoebes are. Oh, girl. All right. Well, let's go ahead and go to Sabella just for fun. Um, so... <sighs> Uh, this was really hard for me because like I didn't want to just typecast like a mean girl because like Sabella's she's mean to Monty in certain circumstances but she's also like very kind of authentic in that she really does kind of love him but she oh, yeah. doesn't love him I think for the right reason all the time so I was trying to find somebody like two people who could like really play up the 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 ditzy kind of mean factor and then be really vindictive when they needed to be but knowing those things here are the two headshots that I'm going to slide across your desk for Sabella uh, the first is uh, Salia Pfeiffer. Oh, oh, right. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Eliza. Uh, correct, Eliza. Ooh, yes, okay. yes, yes. Okay. And I mean, oh God, there. Were, I mean, there are a couple of other things that. Um, yeah, she was. Uh, she is Eliza in the first national tour of Hamilton. Um, she was also Maria in West Side Story. Um, and she was also in Evita as well. So we know she got that soprano chops. Oh, yeah, she got those chops. Okay. Let's go, Bingo. She got those bloodletting vocal cords. Honey, honey okay, so. she's going to bleed from her throat. Hashtag blood spittoon. So I, I know we've used her a couple of times, and she just kind of seems like the first mean girl that comes to mind who cannot be mean but also be mean. She's going up against Leah Michelle, and I just... It's so hard because like... That's actually hard. Right? I'm just like, I don't... I mean, I love me some Leah Michelle, but I'm just like, there's been a little controversy with Leah Michelle at the moment. There and is some controversy, but she seems to be like recapturing people's hearts with yeah, her funny girl yeah. stint, saving, quote, saving the show again. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I actually love the idea of having this powerful person of color with Celia. Love it. Uh, okay. I, I actually think she would kill that role. Okay. And like, she's a phenomenal performer. So I think she could do it and do it well. 
fantastic. Oh, I love that. We're going to talk about Phoebe for a hot minute. Yes. And so again, trying to find somebody who has the the innocence, I think, of what Phoebe needs to have as a character. But then also like when we get to that, you know, that horrible woman right at the very end, we need to have somebody who's still a little vindictive, right? So here mm-hmm. are the two people that I have for Phoebe. This first one is out of left field, so I'm going to be kind of curious to see what you think. The first consideration is Annalise Vanderpool. (laughs) (laughs) I just, that's so Raven flashed back to my teen years. Totes, Uh, yes, And then I, now I just have little town in a quiet Quiet village. village. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... uh, She's absolutely, she could absolutely play Phoebe and that would be phenomenal. But now I need to know who else because this is fun. Okay. So Phoebe is a redhead. Okay. mm -hmm. So, but here's the other person that I'm going to put up. Halle Bailey. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I do love me some Halle Bailey. This is like a little wafy for Halle Bailey though. Like she's been playing some headstrong it is a little bit, lately. but it could be a good acting challenge for someone who is normally headstrong to try to Very give them true. the other side of this thing. So Super true. Yeah? Ooh. I do love to give you a challenge, my darling. This is a hard one. Who would sing it better? Age-wise, there's a little bit of a contrast, which also makes me play because I have my pin in my Monty at the moment. Uh-huh. Oof. Okay. Based upon this, I'm going to pick Annalise, and I'm going to go Eric. So we've got Annalise Vander Vanderpaul and Eric Anthony Johnson. Yay! Oh, what an excellent pairing those two would be lovely. With a little yeah. Celia Pfeiffer in the center. Very selfishly. I'm like, actually, you're going to look good up against Miss Celia. I love and that. Then- having an Annalise like on the other side of that door it's just gonna be pretty it's gonna be like beautiful yeah Uh, I love love. okay not but you see like but Hallie Bailey how rude I love her how rude I know it's like it's like when I give you Sutton Foster or Patty Lapone you just look at me like you bitch (laughs) did you have you seen Little Mermaid yet no I haven't it's in my my it's in my watch list I know so good. I'm so excited. So good. Yeah, again, Ursula, one of one of the ride or die roles. Like, if I ever got offered that role, I would literally die. I think I would die. Yeah, we'll have to talk about it. We'll have to talk about it. But I don't know on this show or whatever, but we'll talk I mean, about we'll it. We'll talk sure. about it. It'll be fine. Well, okay. So then let's move on to the actor who will hold and carry the entirety of the <laughs> Dicewith family. Literally all nine human beings, old, young, female, male. Like, you've got multiple different things that are happening here. So we have to have somebody who is able to really transform into those people. And I Mm -hmm. think um, I tried to find two character actors who could do this, both who I know have the the musical prowess to be able to do this, but also the acting prowess to do this as well. So um, I am pitting one film person against, uh, I would assume one musical person as, you know, I guess kind of of the thing. Um, So the first headshot for consideration 
is Bill Hader. Oh my god. Can you imagine? Oh He's like a dead ringer for Jefferson right? Mays. He's a dead ringer. Okay, so I'm working with a Bill Hader. Uh-huh. He's up against Todrick Hall. Oof. Okay. I a know we pure put, transformer. Exactly. We've put up Todrick for a couple of things recently, but again, I think the character actor part, the song part, we've seen him in multiple music videos be able to take on different characters. I don't know. I'm still worried about him just overall. I hate how he treats the people that he works with, like in his personal music videos and things, and he it's still questionable on Rock all that bro. side of stuff. But I do, I like, I appreciate him as a performer and that's my issue, right? Like sure. it's a hate the sin, not the sinner. I know. Shit. I know. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, actually the problem is you said Bill Hader and I can't get him out of my mind. <gasps> a little Stefan action. Can you imagine one of them being Stefan? <laughs> yeah, right. Well then let's round out this, uh, this five main oh, character wait, cast. Wait, who, who else are we doing? Uh, are we're we doing, doing a... We're doing Miss Shingle. Oh, Miss Shingle. Oh, yeah. she is kind of, you know, pinnacle. She okay. is a little bit pinnacle. We did, I mean, it's like micro. So um, again, knowing that we need like a, like an older kind of actor, I tried to find somebody who was either yes. like, I don't know, you could do a 50s, 60s, maybe even 70s. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, anywhere in that age range. Um, So... <laughs> One of these is very close to my heart, which is just like super funny that if you pick this, it will just make my heart sing. Um, so your first headshot up for consideration for Miss Shingle is Goldie Hawn. Oh my God. <laughs> I couldn't help it. She it's just, so funny. I just watched Death Becomes Her. Thank oh you. Oh so. God, such a good... I mean, only I would only... Uh, otherwise, if it wasn't Goldie Hawn, I would have put up Bette Midler, but I know we put her up for something else like pretty Ugh, recently. So, so like, good, but though. I mean, Bette Midler would slay this role, but she's not who's up for consideration up against Goldie Hawn. Um, I'm going to slide you Octavia Spencer <laughs> alongside Goldie Hawn. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, <gasps> and then she's I, like under her breath as she's serving the cup of poison. She's just like, eat my shit yes that's what she's saying you know what oh my god i have to choose her i have to choose her not that goldie hawn is not like a fantastic choice for this but no but i mean there's something beautiful about like appearing hi did you know that you're actually can you imagine octavia freaking spencer just going hi you're the heir to a fortune you're welcome and just like absolutely um, the f- who are you like oh god i want her to be my fairy <sighs> godmother so bad i can absolutely imagine her just repeating you're a die squiff <laughs> well then your final casting my darling for our our rendition of a gentleman's guide to love and murder monty navarro is eric anthony johnson sabella is salia pfeiffer Phoebe is Annalise Vanderpaul. The entirety of the Dicequith family uh, is Bill Hader. And Miss Shingle is Octavia Spencer. Ooh, see, I love this. And it's not quite as much of a whiteout as the original <laughs> entire cast. Was. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. actually, I was start as I was doing some research and stuff for you know show notes tonight. Mm-hmm. I started reading about more and more things and how people were starting to call this show out 
you know, maybe on some of that too. So I really like the ability that we have and like the thinking yes. that, you know, even just in the options for casting. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Splendid job, Mary. <gasps> I, I love a hard choice and those were quite difficult. So. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I only like had it. to pin. I didn't have to swap or nothing. I know. You only had to pin one time. I was thrilled about that. Well, I loved that quick cast. So mm. I think... Um, we should go uh, up to Highhurst Castle <gasps> and uh, maybe plod around the paintings and oh. pontificate, if you will, about certain things and talk about our money mm. in a what if. Is that some poison in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? No, I'm just happy to see you, dear. I just brought the tea. It's in a thermos, and I can only stick it in my trousers. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, uh, man. That, that poison vial is just about as big as, as Mr. Kennedy. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, do it better. I know you can. No. Yeah, no. Do it. Do it. Oh, God. Be a good uh, girl and do it now. Uh... Oh, JFK had to put some flowers into his poison one time, but I don't think it was poison and it made him really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Oh my, it? that, that was needed? it. That was what okay. I needed. So I've got a good one for you, Mary. Oh, do you? Well, I've got my tea and I've got poison in me pocket. Well, tell me, we're what are steep your tea quite a while with this one? Oh, steep so. that tea, babe. Tell me what we got. So, what if Monty did have to kill Lord Asquith Dysquith Senior? <gasps> no. Would we hate him more? Is it a cop-out that they just wrote it out, they killed the one guy that it, we might have turned on our main character for? Um. Okay, so personally, I would not like him if he if he had to murder... Um, Asquith Dysquith Asquith Senior. Asquith Dysquith Senior. I feel like I would not like, I would not like him as much because of all of the Dysquith family, he was the only person who actually gave him a chance. And he gave him the job. He gave him the, the opportunity to try and better himself. Like, he was the only person who didn't look down on Monty for who he was, didn't look at Monty going, oh, well, you're just trying to get in with this family and try to get in on whatever. Like, he, and the this might be my own bias because I, you know, I recently lost my father. So like, I'm looking for that like father figure in my life. But like, I feel like because Monty never had the father figure and his mother always said, the only name that matters is your father's name. Like that, oh, that would just pluck my heartstrings and I don't know if I'd like it. Because we see in the show that Monty is actually struggling with this. Like he's he's kind of singing about it a little bit. He's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Yeah. This man has actually given me opportunity, but he, I have to do this if I'm going to get to my end goal. And yeah. all of a sudden he gets a letter. Oh my gosh, Montague Navarro. It's, I'm so sorry to tell you, but you know, it's dead. And they're like, ha ha. And then immediately the tone switches in the show. Yeah. But I want to be like, no, 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 no. This is a cop out. This is an absolute cop out. How do we feel if he would have had to kill him? Like, let's take like personal feelings aside. Okay. Because I think in 
some way there is an entire air like it's kind of like what i was saying about we it's all icing no cake like we because we get no consequence like maybe sometimes death is the consequence of who he's having to kill like he doesn't want to do it it's like the bad side of what he's doing otherwise we only get to see the sugary coating ha 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 side to what he's doing there it is there it is i'm kind of thinking maybe it would have added a little bit of depth if he had to go through some hardship i mean i i feel like i can definitely see your point in that where you know like i mean like i mentioned in the in the first coverage of this episode uh, excuse me, in the first episode's coverage of this show. But I I, I don't know. I think that in, in the first, the initial coverage that we did of this, I said that it, Monty was kind of a hard character to, I guess, kind of dissect in and of himself because he literally got to have his cake and eat it too with almost zero consequences to what he had to go through to get, yeah. you know, the spoils of war. Do I think that it would round him out as a character if he had to go through something and do something he didn't want to do? I mean, probably because like every other every other murder that has to happen, he knows he's doing it for the ultimate end game of being the ninth Earl of Highhurst. But it, much like in any film that you watch, once you come upon that character that gives somebody, you know, a sense of purpose and meaning, and it and it, it gives them a relationship that isn't transactional, that really does kind of feel like a familial relationship. Of all of the Dicewith family, his is the only relationship that truly felt like it had anima because every. Everything else is him just trying to get to that ultimate goal. So, I mean, yeah, would it add depth? Absolutely. Would it make me not like him even more? Absolutely. And, uh, but do, you know, do I think that it would, that is something that is lacking in the current version of this show? I mean, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the way that I've worded this question, so what if Monty did have to kill Lord Asquith Dicequith Sr.? So what if he couldn't go through with it? Then that adds more humanity into the mix, which then would change my feelings about him as a person, which then changes the trajectory of the rest of the show. Like, does he just roll over and die and go, (laughs) does he roll over and just go, I can't do this. I don't need this. Like, what I mean, well, because so he was already set to inherit the bank that mm-hmm. he that the Lord Asquith was going to give him. Yep. So he would have had a status worthy job. Yep. He would have been. Ooh, he would have been second in line then to our Earl of Highhurst. Oh. Our Miss Shingle would have killed him. <gasps> And he would have gotten there faster? And he would have gotten it anyway. Oh, shit, Steven. So really, uh, that would have been the better way to go. Is to have just waited it out and taken the, you know, like the... The high status job. Yeah. Earned the respect, had a nice life with Phoebe. Yeah, because... Oh, my God. And then he wouldn't have had to deal with <gasps> our, our our head Earl at all. Oh, and Mrs. Damn. Shingle could have taken care of it. That is... And then he would have been next in succession. That is absolutely bizarre. Lord Asquith dying was sort of like ricocheted him forward. Yeah. Interesting. For, well, I mean, we, we've talked about my perspective and how I view Monty as a character. But like, I mean, do you think that, that, that Monty as a character needs that kind of depth to be able to be relatable to a wide audience of people? 
I mean, like, I'm sort of just looking at Monty throughout this show. Like, this is the weirdest comparison. So, we, you know how we, when we covered Pippin, we talk about Pippin going through all of these different, like, avenues of life and sure. the things that he has to learn sure. through life. I think this is, in a way, Monty's, like, Pippin journey. Because Ooh, he's sure. only known one thing. And he's learning a lot about this side of life and mm -hmm. what it takes to be in this side of life. And he's slowly having to learn all of these different things. And the one thing I don't think he had to have learned through all of this was hardship. Sure. So maybe him having to kill someone would have been that hardship that might have been like, actually, this sort of balances the equilibrium. You had to have a sacrifice worthy of, you know, what you're trying to go for, even though what you're doing is somewhat deplorable, like to God. human humanity as a whole. But I think, you know, in Pippin, like he had to go through war and see see what war does to people. Mm -hmm. He had to kill his own father and then haha, never mind. But <laughs> he still had to do it in yeah. order to, you know, learn that lesson. So wow. I you know, I think it may have added the depth that I was looking for that is the issue with me and Monty in this. However, the way that I worded this question with, like, he wouldn't even have had to, and he could have still had the same outcome. Yeah. So I don't know. I, like, at the end of the day, when it ends the same way, wh what are we left with? That hmm. is, oh, what an interesting, what an interesting, th oh, God, I love this section because it's so good to just, like, expand your brain a bit because, like, I never would have thought about the succession part of it, having had the high-status job and really having been the next in line, but without having to kill that person and still kind of being in the place that he needed to be. Like, that's just, like, I, I never would have thought about that. So I thank you for that. I loved that. That was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Oh, so Well, delightful. do you want to look down the barrel of the gun, Mary? Been and gone to Africa three times, and I've come back, and I've, I've, I am, I am the unsinkable Molly Brown. I can't die. Well, uh, as long as you look down the barrel of the gun, and it goes off to resounding applause. Oh. So it, it's, it's such a whirlwind. Is is that ice? That looks like a really big hole. Let's skating skate on around it. it. Okay, so I can't ice skate, so you'll have to hold me up. I swear Gosh. to God, those drowning noises literally haunt my nightmares. It's not okay. No, I don't. It's I'm so in a scary. farce. I don't need. I'm not in a horror farce. I'm just in a farce. I don't need that yeah, much realism. I found I found a list of like the deaths in order of like the best deaths in this <laughs> and they ranked them like what are the best ones that sure. one got second what was the first went, one because they thought the death was funny and i'm like this person is sadistic i like it <laughs> i don't mm, mm. yeah okay but the first the first one was the priest so, okay i yeah yeah i agree okay way, but oh, you know, yes. we had to choose we had to choose our favorite deaths actually they agreed they said the um pumphrey our actress um. <laughs> was actually the favorite but because it happens off stage yeah they yeah. can't count it no but like what a way to go you know literally though and it just it, you know it makes me think of all the stories of like prop guns and not you know like bruce lee like oh, not being yeah. checked before things happen and they may you know <laughs> it's a it's a thing but um 
Well, dear, I have my poison. I have my tea. We have killed off, you know, eight of the successors, and you have become the ninth Earl of Highhurst. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that fabulous? And I get to be uh, Mrs. Shingles, and I get to I get to kill off the last of the things. I am the Mrs. <laughs> Shingle to your Monty Navarro. It's delightful. <laughs> um, what are your final thoughts on A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder? Ooh. Great fun show. And I think I said it before, this has sort of reset me, like in a weird way of like how I'm looking at shows going forward. And like, I'm happy that we got to have this, especially in somewhat of a heavy season about death, having sure. a light show about killing. That's sort of ha 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 is kind of a really nice way uh, <laughs> to be like mid season for us. And and sure. I'm into it. I'm very much into it. Um, I think it, I said it before. The show is just charming and I, I highly recommend this show, you know, again, was one that kind of lived on my periphery for a while and, there were a couple of songs from this that I'd heard in auditions and that have been on my Spotify playlists for musicals, but I'm very glad to finally now connect the dots truly in a way and, and being able to see where those songs live in the cacophony of this show. And um, I am always a fan of a good farce. And so I think that when a farce is done well, it's it's a thing of beauty, especially when it it's dealing with what could be considered heavy subject matter, you know, murder murdering people and trying to, you know, be greedy for money. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, it is definitely one that is worth watching, definitely one worth listening to. Um, and again, in the upper echelons of like classical musical theater, um, this sits very high atop that throne in Highhurst Manor. So it's a very, very high good Highhurst. Highhurst. Good, good Lord. Christ, Christine. Christ, Christine. <laughs> Anytime we can bring up a blood spittoon, it's just going to be I'm going to find thing. every single example to be able to bring up a blood spittoon, even if it a doesn't soprano make sense. Hits that high C and just like, Blood spittoon. Blood spittoon. <laughs> You're making another sound cue. Blood spittoon. We've, we've gracefully skid on the ice and around the holes and off the ledges of the chapel and, and, and into the final, you know, section of our show um, where we get to talk about the clue that you gave me last time for the next show that we're doing. If I remember correctly, you said it would answer the question of Oxford's not brogues. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then I had all this preamble. It's it's sort of death adjacent in that it, death is the catalyst, much like Violet was. Death is um, the catalyst. But this one more so. So any guesses, any thoughts, any I'm, meanderings? I mean, I mean, it obviously has to do with shoes. Okay, this might be out of left field, and please, I'm uh, if I get this because I've slid into it by accident, I'm still gonna take it as a win. Are we doing kinky boots? The answer to the question would be neither, because <gasps> it's in the heel. Oh, so it is absolutely <laughs> kinky boots. Holy shit, we're doing kinky boots! Oh, I'm so excited. That, yes. oh my God, all I remember is a steel-heeled stiletto. Like that's that's like the thing that I come away with from that show is just a steel heel because, you know, men got to have that support. Drag performers got to have that support, you know. Absolutely. You know. So, oh, I can't believe I slid into the right answer. Normally I don't. It's kind of delightful. 
Um, so while I sit here and 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 fantasize about a kinky boot, um, make sure that you follow us on Instagram from the top underscore podcast if you want to not miss one heel click, one snap click, one whole being dead thing about our season about death smash that follow button make sure you follow us for all of our shenanigans and if there is something that you think that we got great in this episode that we got wrong in this episode steven loves his hate mail make sure you email us at podcast from the top at gmail.com hi so excited ow um i'm just gonna sit here and dance about it it's fine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um so until next time this has been from, from the, the top, top a wandering unicorn production what is the song that a soprano would sing to use the blood spittoon I mean, you know, there's only one right answer, right? Only one. Doodin, doodin, yeah, that's the right answer. I think that's it. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs>